Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life to the Full, your host, the Zitos. Welcome back. We're still in the season of facing our responsibility. We started off with Heaven on Earth series, followed by the gospel, followed by reconsidering hell, and we're entering to the last series of this season, which you are titling what, Mr. Zito? It's a a tentative title. Okay. It is Entering Life. Um, We're still going to be talking a little bit about hell today. Okay. Or you can call it Entering into Life. Right, because you mentioned that we were going to be like, okay, so now that my responsibility is not to get people out of hell and into heaven, yep. what do I do? Yeah, yeah. So, like, hopefully by the end of, of all this, we'll we'll have some direction. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of clarity when things can be clear, and but I'm also a big fan of you know sometimes you just have to admit you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> You have to admit that, you know what, there's a little less certainty here than I thought when I began. Yeah. And that maybe that's okay. Maybe I'm not supposed to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Maybe, as we'll see, uh, I hope actually we'll see this today, that some of the problems can come when we think we have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And how, in a sense, that could also be sort of a living hell, as right. we've been talking about over the series. But... Let me be the first to wish you a happy being born day (laughs) or a happy birthday. That's right. It's a little weird because we are recording before my birthday, but this is going to premiere on my birthday. I know. I'm so so excited. By the time we listen to it, it will actually be my birthday. There's no Star Wars movie this year for you to take me to on your birthday. That's so true. I'm so selfless. (laughs) Taking you to see your favorite movie on my birthday. We, yeah. But it's been our tradition. It's kind of been our, well, last few years, we go to the Korean spa, which I thought I was going to hate, but I ended up loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you love that place. Yep. You get your uh, spicy squid. Mm-hmm. You get. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We get we get to go into uh, the saunas, which are really, really cool. We get to hang out and kind of relax. Wow, it's really been a year without going to the spa. I think it's been more than a year at this point. No, quarantine. Oh, no, no. I lied. We probably did go in, in oh, February. Oh, yeah, we for, probably did. For um for Valentine's. Yes. Okay, so it's almost been a year it's without almost been a year. the spa. And it's quite painful, yep. guys, because that's where we brainstorm without fighting. I mean, no. Without allow fights. That, it's just where we have discussions <laughs> where we can step away from each other and go into the blissful heat and the blif- blissful cold and be in a relaxed environment. Because you know what, guys? Sometimes life is hard. Discussions are hard. Yeah. And working things out. Because you know, guys, this might shock you, but uh, Patty doesn't always think like me. <laughs> Thank I know. the Lord. <laughs> I know. She should. She should. I know you guys are all saying that. Please send send your emails to Patricia. No, I'm kidding. Uh, about how she needs to agree with me. Um, but yeah, happy birthday! Thank uh, you. I don't know how you tend. You look younger every year, while I slowly become a grandpa. <laughs> I am turning forty four years old today. I know it's I mean, hard to believe. In the future of today, yes. <laughs> yeah, I used to think of people above forty as so old. Yeah, now, I thought 39 was old. Here we are. Yeah, no. age is nothing but a number. I feel like we're just getting started. Just getting started. So. Yeah, so let's do maybe a summary. Yeah, let's, let's start with the summary for those who skipped all those series and are just jumping into yeah. this episode. Which, you know, it's fine. I know people, uh, the podcast medium is very different. It's mm-hmm. not like we're sitting down together and we're having a class. 
Right. Or, you know, you're not in our living room. Although I hope you feel like you are a little bit, you know, here with us together. I know I consume most of my podcast material while I'm doing other things. Mm -hmm. So if that's what you're doing with us, thank you so much for taking us along while Mm -hmm. you're going for your daily walk, your daily commute, uh, while you're washing your dishes or doing your laundry or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I feel very honored that you're letting us be a part of your life, even in a small way. Um, So where have we been so far? So we began this whole podcast journey with learning to ask better questions. Oh, you're going back a recap from the beginning, beginning. Because as Christians, sometimes I feel like we don't ask the best questions Mm. because we already assume we know all the big answers. Right. And so we cheat ourselves uh, in our relationships with each other, in our relationships with ourselves, in our relationship with our church. And our relationship with God and the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then from there, when you're learning to ask better questions, uh, it's a very vulnerable place to be. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. uh, Just, you know, especially when you've, you know, lived most of your life with this sense of certainty to kind of let go of that a little bit. Right. You know, I think sometimes we're white knuckling our gospel. Mm -hmm. We're white knuckling our truth as we see it has been taught to us. And we don't want to hear anything else. So in relaxing those hands, mm. relaxing our, our grip on our doctrine, right? we enter into a very vulnerable place. So that we talked about increasing our vulnerability. Yeah, in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the big chief takeaways I've gotten from that, even from a lot of the feedback we've gotten from people, is that vulnerability is not the same as being transparent or honest right right it's not honesty yeah so when you listen to this stuff right and maybe this was your experience when you went through increasing vulnerability with us we looked at Brene brown's book mm-hmm. um we, to lead. we looked at uh five dysfunctions of a team mm-hmm. with that as well um we kind of called it the path and the pattern we kind of looked at the entire biblical story about how that applies to you know really how we should be approaching things really think what the Bible is trying to tell us. Right, you can't scri- you can't scripture and verse it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just kind of need to read the whole thing, right? Not kind of. You... you need to read the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? Let, let's say, for instance, if we worship the Godfather movie, mm-hmm. right? right? We thought that was uh, gospel. We thought that was truth, God's word. Mm-hmm. We could pull out, you know, leave the gun and take the cannolis. <laughs> and maybe every Sunday we'd have a sacrificial gun that we would leave, at church, but we would take we would partake of cannolis, which would be like the bread. Yeah. Obviously, a very ridiculous uh, example or analogy, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, in some ways that we've used the Bible before, it is very ridiculous mm-hmm. because we're taking like one little thing where there's all this other stuff right. that if Paul was here today, or you know Peter, or even you know if, if Jesus was actually you know back, you know I think they would be like, wait, what? you're making a big deal about what? And there's so many other things that the overarching story of the Bible concerns itself with like unity. But anyway, back to vulnerability. You learn to ask better questions. You learn to let go of certainty. You're putting yourself in a very vulnerable place. And that we talked about how that's a good thing. We want to increase our vulnerability. So you mentioned the vulnerability is not transparency or being honest. So what is vulnerability in the recap? Vulnerability is opening yourself up to harm, in a sense, strategically. Mm-hmm. It's opening up yourself to being wrong, mm-hmm. you know. It's opening up yourself to just being open to people, mm-hmm. you know. So, for instance, uh, I think certain a certain type of uh, false vulnerability would be, okay, you hurt me. So let me now list off everything that you did to hurt me. And people can feel like, well, that's being vulnerable. Or maybe you have certain attitudes about somebody and you just like go to that person and you say all those attitudes. Vulnerability, though, it's that self-examination that comes first. It's looking at yourself first. It's, it's asking yourself the tough questions and then going out into the world with a spirit of, you know, like curiosity, a spirit of just, you know, like daring. It's not polite. 
it's not like okay like i'm trying to keep the status quo here or but it's not uh abusive either it's not like where you're hitting someone over the head with every little thought that comes into your brain it's it's being open to people and allowing them to change you when when you said the key word and and from the book and Therefore, the title of the book, it's Dare to Lead. Mm-hmm. So being vulnerable is daring. It's going first. Right. It's taking that initiative to say, I may be wrong or help me understand, right? These are very different words than you did X, Y, Z. Right. right? You're walking in. It's like, help me understand that, that, that can be that you were wrong. Or it can be that you're right, but you don't know, but you took a risk. You dare to ask an uncomfortable question. Mm-hmm. You dare to ask for clarity. One of the things in her book that I love so much is that clear is kind. Mm. Unclear is unkind. Yeah. It's it's uh it's approaching the situation basically in the in the sense of being vulnerable. I'm not sure about this or but dot, 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 right? Or help me understand that yeah. dot, dot, dot. It's taking that 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 role, taking that risk to ask those questions. Right. It's putting yourself out there. Exactly. It's not seeking to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it can get a little tricky. And you did a great analogy on that. Yeah, we, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about her armored versus daring leadership mm-hmm. to kind of illustrate some of that. And, um, you know, that's, I think, where this podcast kind of took a, a turn. Yeah. In a sense, where we actually kind of started looking at more scriptures, mm-hmm. where we like, you know, this is a typical way this scripture could be misunderstood, right. you know, looking at it and it's more of its its light of how what the original intention may have been, you know, we can see here that there there's a difference yeah. between the way that the biblical authors probably would have, you know, done things versus the way like we tend to do things. Yeah, which led to a bigger conversation into what what are we doing? We got to talk about the bigger picture, the right. overarching story. And that brought us to facing our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so then we kind of took a deep dive into the big story of the Bible. You know, we talked about heaven and earth, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we had to slow it down. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think I, I dumped way too much in a in an hour. Then um, you did a really good job of you know slowing us down and making sure that we addressed some things. So I think an episode that was going to take just one time ended up taking was it three or four something like that. Yeah, sessions, and then we got to the end of it. We're like, what about hell? Right. You know, like our isn't our responsibility as Christians to save people from hell? Mm-hmm. Like what? Do, and then it's like, yeah, you're right. When we looked at the overarching story of the Bible as a whole, there really didn't seem to be much hell in there. It seems more about bringing the blessings of God back to his people Israel and through Israel to the rest of the world and through time to us, you know, who are standing here 2,000 years later trying to figure all this stuff out. And I think the thing that we have to be careful of is that culturally and traditionally we're used to putting things into the Bible that have kind of been added to it over the years than what was there originally. So I think every age and every time has to go back to the scriptures and, you know, ask some of those tough questions of where am I filling in stuff into this that, that wasn't there to begin with. Um, And I feel like a lot of great work has been done in the last few decades uh, by people who are trying to do that, who are trying to deconstruct what the Bible says, absent of any tradition. You know, I think people throw around words like non-denominational Christianity, um, as if that could actually even be a thing. Um, They throw around terms like, oh, we're just trying to get back to first century Christianity, you know, like kind of... uh, you know, forgetting that that world no longer exists, thank thankfully. <laughs> you know, that Roman world of shame and honor culture doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, and kind of like, you know, but I think a lot of real good work has been done of like, okay, so what? what is the 
true message of the Bible. What is the Bible? What is the story of the Bible trying to communicate to me? And then now how am I going to take that and how am I going to apply that into my own culture, my own life, my own society that I find myself in now? So we're leaving behind the Sermon on the Mount where we had Jesus, you know, say a few things about hell or the Valley of Gihon as most likely a sermon illustration. And we reconsidered of like maybe a hell could be a present reality, not something that's far away off in the future um, where I'm going to be burning forever. Right. If I don't believe the right things, if I don't say the right words or if I'm not part of the right church. Um, and it changed some things for us. And I think it changed it in significant enough ways that we really need to re-examine what's the whole point of this whole thing. So as we're coming near to the end of our series on facing our responsibility. Our season. Yes. Our season on facing our responsibility. Uh, we're coming to the end of some of these questions. So we're, we're trying to deal with hell, deal with some of these things reframe it in the light of you know what we've learned some of the discussions we've had and then we're going to be moving on to okay now with all this what is the whole point of this why am i doing this why am i even a christian why do i go to a church what am i doing here right if my purpose is not to get people out of hell yeah then what am i doing yeah and i think some people could like you know nt Wright says we've traded the gospel for good advice Hmm. i think we do that. Be like, okay, great. Okay, I can't tell people they're going to hell anymore. Maybe I kind of can do that because it's a good shorthand, you know, for like, you know, bad things will happen if you don't listen to me. But, you know, they've traded the gospel for good advice theology. Mm. So I think, you know, there's another way of thinking where it's like, it's not going to change much because I'm, I'm still going to use the scriptures to tell people what to do. I'm going to use the scriptures to try and tell myself what to do, my family. And those around me. And if you lead a church, you know, like, you know, you have those platforms of, you know, when you do your messages weekly in a, in a Sunday service or midweek, or if you're a family group leader or you run a small group, you have your own platforms there where it's like, okay, now's my time to take the scriptures and use them to tell people what to do. And we, we think of that as our purpose. And I think there's a bigger story here. There's a bigger purpose that you know it has to do with putting the world back together with getting everything right not being right but getting it right moving towards a place where heaven and earth are coming together and that kind of brings us out of the sermon on the mount to Matthew chapter 9 which is where we're going to we're going to hang out most likely for the rest of this episode awesome and um, full disclosure I'm bringing us here because I want to illustrate the dangers of what I call scripture verse theology, mm-hmm. where you're pulling something out of context to get some type of uh, moral tale, or you're trying to use it as a point. Would you say that some people may be thinking that of you right now, that what you're sharing in this podcast is just your point of view? Yeah. Especially if you say you think... um so what about for for those folks um who may be thinking that sure um this is where i feel like you know increasing our vulnerability is key because i am putting myself in a very vulnerable situation Mm -hmm. you know i don't think scripture verse theology uh works Mm -hmm. and is possible but i can see the attraction to it it's it's like the dark side of the force Mm -hmm. is it more powerful than the light side no Faster, easier. Sorry, I'm getting a little Yoda here. Um, but I'm confident enough in you know the time I've spent in the scriptures that this is stuff that anyone can find and examine on their own. And people a lot smarter than me have written countless books on these topics. Yeah, Emily, you're heavily influenced by N.T. Wright books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bema, the podcast, and the Tim Mackey's The Bible Project. Yep. So you are, you're not the only one saying this. Yeah, this is not my work. <laughs> we, we are doing our best to be direct mm-hmm. to our community, 
to our families of churches, this is not what Jimmy thinks. You've, you've decided to shift, reshift your paradigm. And this is a very difficult discussion from what you said earlier when people are not willing to let go of their doctrine. People are not willing to be open yeah. to look at and, and And also to the fact that you're looking at the overarching theme, the overarching story of the Bible. Right. Which is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Did you just come up with that? That's good. <laughs> That's the Bible project. Oh, oh, oh sorry, to, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and, and so I'm highly influenced by Tim Mackey and, yes. and John, and I've read a couple N.T. Wright books, and I do believe, Jimmy, that you do have a gift in how you teach the Bible. And so for you, it may be easier or sim- it's, it may sound simpler for you. And that's why I've made a commitment to ask more questions, to even slow down what you're saying or to just even interrupt. Some people may think I'm being rude, but I'm not. I'm just, I'm, I'm seeking to understand this better because it, it, it does feel, it may feel as a battle in someone's head. So I'm, I'm, I'm interjecting in here, uh, thinking about what could be some of those questions that I know I've had before I read N.T. Wright books, before I started listening to The Bible Project. Sure, yeah. And um, I know for me, living life to the full by my God-given potential and strength has been my own personal journey that God has taken me on. And so when I hear the words the new humanity, when I hear the words created in God's image, co-creators with God, it speaks to something that I've been walking and experiencing through my discipleship. And so my ears are open, right? Hmm. I am involved in all these mastermind, no, I'm involved in societies who are doing just that you mean churches right no oh okay (laughs) absolutely not and so i have a question yeah go ahead do you feel like you find it more common for people outside the church to be doing this type of work or inside the church absolutely outside the church why do you think that is i believe we mentioned this right in one of the episodes and one of the reasons I see is it's people's responsibility to right now. It's people who are living for right now, who understand that it's about their contribution to the world right now. Not to this far away ticket of heaven or the punishment of hell. These are folks who actually think that's ridiculous mm-hmm. and evil and crazy like selfish totally selfish so what what's my contribution my unique way of contributing to this world and i believe it comes and this is why we you know we had a bit of an argument off the podcast in the summer where i'm like jimmy we need to talk about heaven and earth that is the defining difference or hmm. that's a that's the line where we stand and where our church stands. And as we mentioned in previous episodes, the last two episodes that we're no longer attending um, services in our tradition because we see the consequences of believing in this ticket of heaven and the punishment of hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does things. It does things to people. It does things. And we're, we're seeing it nice and clear through our friends and mm-hmm. family. Yep. And and we're facing that. That's been the first step of facing our personal responsibility because we wanted, we opened this podcast to start the conversations, but conversations did not go where we hoping that will go. No. And so this podcast is for those who are open, you know, those who have ears, let them hear. Whoa. Did you come up with that too? 
<laughs> that's the G, the J to the E to the S to the U to the S. Jesus. Jesus walks. Yeah, All right. I don't know why I've been singing that song for so, a while. So here we're in Mark 9. Hope that wasn't too abrupt. Uh, here we are in Mark 9. Uh, so again, Mark being one of the synoptic gospels. Um, it's what almost, is a synoptic gospel? It's almost like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, they all cheated off of each other when they were writing their book report on Jesus. Right? Because <laughs> they seem to be incorporating uh, similar material. Okay. So as we, I think we talked about this before, but there's been a, a tendency over the years to harmonize the gospels and to make everything fit. As if, you know, this was cell phone footage or this was camcorder footage uh, from Jesus's life. Uh, or if these were histories. camcorder? Yeah. We don't use this anymore. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> We've been watching a lot of This Is Us, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us back to the 90s. The dream of a love is a love in Portland. The dream of the 90s is a love in Portland. 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 So, shout, yeah. out, shout out to our friends in Portland, Oregon. Like it's the cell phone footage, or it's like there's an unbiased historian, if there's even such a thing, mm. who's writing all this down. These books, these gospels, uh, as we've come to call them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were written by people with a theological agenda. They had something to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, history, or getting the facts all correct, was of secondary importance, if any, to these authors. Uh, I'm not saying that all this stuff is made up. I'm not saying that, you know, this isn't true. I'm just saying that was not the primary uh, purpose of arranging all these stories and sayings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be some overlap in some of Jesus' sayings, of some of the things Jesus says. Sometimes they're put into different contexts. They're put into different situations. Um, It's possible that he just said similar things multiple times in many different places. Uh, But these... Events have been carefully arranged by their authors uh, for a particular purpose. So we're going to look at one now, and I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to ask you, um, what are some ways you've heard this scripture used before in the past? Sure. All right. So in Mark 9, I keep, I think I was saying Matthew before, but in Mark chapter 9, it says, And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin... It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. What about if anyone causes one of these little ones? Who do you think the little ones are? Oh, most people think it's children. Most people would say it's children. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, how could we cause one of these little ones to sin? Uh, it's been used in like the way we speak to children, like harsh words. What we teach. What we teach. Our doctrine. Uh, our doctrine. Danger of false doctrine or questioning certain things. I've never heard about it in the questioning part, but yeah, mm-hmm. definitely what we teach to our children. Okay. And then I guess we ha- we hear similar things here, right? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go into hell. Mm-hmm. Right? Where the fire never goes out. So now this is separated here from the Sermon of the Mount's discussion on, you know, lust mm-hmm. and things like that. So so this is kind of like, you know, that, that phrase, enter into life. Hmm. How do you think most people would take that? What would they fill in to... Oh, like go to heaven. Go to heaven, mm-hmm. right? So, but does that... Is that necessarily stated? It's, it's kind of like you're putting like a choice for a person. So either you go to heaven or you're going to burn in hell. Right. right. Uh, what's it called? Dual? What's Dualism. It? Dualism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very Greek idea. Mm-hmm. Left or right, hot or cold, good or evil. Mm-hmm. They're equal and opposite. Right. Partners. Right, you can't have good unless you have evil, kind of thing. 
Right. Not a biblical idea at all. Definitely not. <laughs> not <laughs> even then, a little and bit. We, we tend to use, like, we use Satan mm-hmm. as equally powerful as God. Right. And it's not even Satan. It's called a Satan. <laughs> Which means? <laughs> the adversary. Yeah, the adversary, uh, right? The adversary, sorry. Yeah, the that's accent. all good. Yeah. Yeah, and you got that from one of the Bible Project videos, right? It's a wonderful video. Yeah. Uh, with all, it breaks not just the Satan; it has the whole council. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the Divine Council. The Divine Council. Yeah. It's a great video. The Bible Project. It's my number one go-to for visual learning yep. of the topics that we're discussing today. Yeah, I tend to need to go a little deeper. I, I think the videos are are beautiful for me. I think they're they're very useful. But I prefer more the podcast or an actual book. So the book I would recommend about that, if you have questions about the Satan Ooh, and the rest of the... The Unseen Realm. Yes, the Unseen Realm or Angels and Demons by the same author, Michael Heisner. Mm. Uh, the Unseen Realm, was I didn't finish it. I only went halfway. Mm. And just halfway, I was like, okay, I get it. And then yeah. the other half, I was like, whoa, I, I, I need a better Space. Well, you were listening. You were listening to the book exactly because that's what I had done, and you felt like you got to a point where you needed to start taking notes. Yeah, it was w- so much information. Yep. I needed to be able to like link it in and connect it, yep. and I wasn't able to do that because I'm listening to it. Patty is what you would call an active learner. She needs to be doing stuff. <laughs> Just give me a quiet corner of a library or a, a house, cup of coffee, a cup of coffee, an audio book or an actual book really makes no difference for me at this point. And I'm good. Not me. I tend to take no notes. I tend to do no highlights. I need three color highlights, (laughs) uh, two color pants. Uh Your special learning pants. Right here. Learning pants. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) What did you mean by that? I don't know. I just thought it would be funny if you had actual pants that like, where's, honey, did you wash my learning pants? Because I need to learn right now. Well, mainly yoga. My yoga pants oh, are one of go. my favorite ones. There you go. Make me feel nice and comfy. Yeah. I was talking about my pen, and if you guys know this sound, hit me up in Instagram. What kind of pen am I holding? Can I say it? You can give my hint. It's a pen of a promise <laughs> to Noah and to all of us through Noah. Wow, that was off. But anyway, where were we, honey? We got off. Yeah, so this whole concept of, you know, enter into life. Mm -hmm. And I think we would immediately say heaven. We would fill that into heaven. Right. But as we've discussed, this probably wasn't what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about a present reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see this in Paul, too, because Paul talks about the resurrection. Like, you're a resurrected being, Mm -hmm. as if that has actually happened right now. Yeah, you're you're a resurrected being, being, dude. What are you talking about? But he also talks about it as, you know, also a reality to come. And the mystery of Jesus is that Jesus is kind of a piece of the future that has invaded the past or the present. So that's, you know, something that that's more in line of what Jesus is thinking about here. He's talking about a a present reality. And he's also talking about a future reality when he comes back. But that future reality, as we've seen, is not going off to some place without a body, right? right? Where you're going to be in heaven. It's heaven coming here. To earth. It's life. It's what, mm-hmm. you, you know, like, and I think many, many cultures, you know, don't see death as the great enemy. They see it as a natural part of life. Mm-hmm. You know, even my own beloved Star Wars, Yoda, do not <laughs> mourn those who have become part of the living force. Death is a natural part of life where, you know, to the Jewish people and to their scriptures, at least the scriptures that we have here in, you know, the Bible, Mm -hmm. death is the great enemy. Mm. Death is is what is reigning over us and it's going to be defeated in Jesus. And so, you know, entering into life, there's a present reality uh, where, you know, there's life here. There's life here that's, you know, more, I was going to say more better. There's life here. That's better. That's life to the full. I've come so they have life to the full, right? Kind of the whole theme of our podcast. Yeah. And there is a present, there is a future reality when Jesus comes back at the restoration of all things. Mm-hmm. You know? And so so here he's talking about that. And he goes, and he goes uh, blah, blah, blah. 
If your hand causes you sin, cut it off. It is better enter life maimed than two hands and to go into hell. And people will be like, well, it's right there. Right. There's that same thing, that eternal reality of suffering. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that, right? right? But then when you make it more about, well, what about the present reality of entering in life here? And what does that mean? And depending on the sermon illustration or the lesson of the day, you know, cutting off the hand can be different things. It could be addiction, it could be pornography, it can be lust, it could be lying, it could be false doctrine, it can be all, all of these things. Right. Um, you know, and then so you go through it, and I think, you know, there's one way of looking at all this where it's like, I understand heaven, I understand hell. You know, this is obviously, I can use this, I can use this to help someone, someone's behavior. I can use, mm. I can use this to help somebody escape hell. Right? Makes a great point. Hmm. But then you back up a little bit. And then you you kind of see what is this story surrounded in? Right? Hmm. Some of these elements were in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Right? But when you look in Mark, like what are some things that happened before this? Before Jesus said this? Hmm. And maybe that can illustrate for us what Jesus was doing. Sure. You know? So you can even just look at some of the subtitles to kind of... I'm not usually a, a fan of subtitles. <laughs> you hate subtitles. when I read them. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in this case, you know, I think I think they're helpful. So you back up. So causing to sin is kind of where we were, mm-hmm. right? You know, cut it off, get rid of it. You don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven, right? So cut these things off. But then, you know, if you're reading this carefully, which the gospel authors are hoping you are, mm-hmm. you might go, wait, wait, wait a minute. That That sounds, that sounds crazy. You know, what What does that mean? What, what am I getting rid of? You know, and I think putting back into it, you know, this idea of heaven and earth coming together and of hell being something that you can experience right now. It's a moment of time. It's a moment of history. It's a moment of judgment. Right. Mm-hmm. When you back up, you're like, well, what is Jesus talking about? And the, the next subtitle you come to is whoever is not against us is for us. Which I find interesting. Because mm-hmm. Jesus, you know. Someone comes up to him and says, Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Mm-hmm. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. And then he goes to, if any... One causes one of these little ones who believe in me, and we get that. So I feel like that's a very interesting thing to be framing this discussion about cutting things off. And can you explain what do you mean by framing? Like when you're building a house, what do you build first? Foundation, the frames, the walls. You build the foundation, mm-hmm. and then you build the frame, and then and you put on the walls. Mm-hmm. But you have to frame the house correctly before you start creating walls and rooms right because if you just have a foundation you really can't live in it and i'm asking that because framing is not something people just use in conversation it's not not. are you sure i'm positive you're a teacher so you are used to this i'm pretty sure i heard that in an episode of ducktales when i say framing if you imagine building a house you know and i think there is a lot of talk in christianity for obvious reasons we're talking about you have to get your foundation right Mm -hmm. jesus is the foundation and yes Absolutely, Jesus is your foundation. But if we're going with the whole house metaphor here, if I just give you a foundation and say, congratulations, I got you a new foundation. Here's your new house. What are you going to do? You're going to live in a foundation? No, you have to build something on that. And the scriptures also use that. They continue that metaphor, just like I am here now, and talking about building something. So the next thing you would build would be the frame. right? You'd outline where the outside walls are going to be. With, you know, studs, basically. What are studs? Studs. Uh, they're just like the big pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. Right? See, stick and frame kind of house. Right. So you you build the frame, and that informs where you're going to put the walls. That informs where you're going to have the living room, where you're going to hang out with your family around the TV. It's that, a 3D blueprint. Yes. In other words. And it, it gives it meaning mm-hmm. for what's going to happen. So when we say framing it, Instead of just taking one isolated story and then using that however I want, what's what's the overall 
Now, I feel like context has been overused and it's often misunderstood to say, well, I, I obviously have the correct context because my, my church taught me correctly. My, my doctrine is on straight. When I say frame, I mean you have to in, encounter the whole thing. Exactly. So it's more difficult, but it's more useful. Yes. And it's more true. So obviously we're just backing up a little bit here, but I, I want to back up a little bit enough just so we can question some things and question some ways we've used things before. Did you notice my question was framing you to explaining this better? Whoa, I see what you did there. Not only is she beautiful, guys. Oh, Lord. She's also smart. So backing up, as we've said, it comes into this discussion over whoever is not against us is for us. What are the disciples here trying to figure out? They're trying to figure out... Who's in and who's out. Who's in and who's out. And Jesus is basically saying that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Whoever's not against us is for us. Mm-hmm. But they believe differently. Mm-hmm. But they, they do things different. Mm-hmm. They're not one of us, mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think many people would read this in isolation. Whoever's not against us is for us. And they would agree. However, in practice, this isn't what it looks like. Nope. In practice, you know, we're very concerned with who's in and who's out, who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Or even deeper, sure, you're a Christian, you go to that church, but no, you cannot date someone from that church because that's them and this is us. Yeah. And then we're going to back up even more. So before this happened, they were leaving Capernaum. Well, they just healed. Jesus had just healed a boy with an evil spirit that his disciples couldn't heal. Right. And when they asked him why they couldn't do it, it's like some things only come out by prayer. That's something else we're not going to touch just yet. We're not going to touch actually at all <laughs> in this episode. But on the way from, you know, Jesus being able to do something that they were powerless to do on their own. That's the important thing in, in this discussion. They were having an argument. Right, And the subtitle here is, Who is the Greatest? And they came to Capernaum. By they, you mean the disciples. The disciples, disciples. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think this is is a time where we easily poo-poo on the disciples. Like, ha ha, they're so ridiculous. They're so stupid. They didn't get Jesus. Oh my goodness, we're so enlightened, right? They came to, but I'm going to hopefully change that in a second. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. So it almost kind of like sets them up like they know Jesus is not going to approve of this, right? Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Whoa, Jimmy, we're talking about children again? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we actually did not discuss that from over here, about how we think that that scripture is talking about children. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus is not specifically talking about a child or mm-hmm. children. He's using a child as to prove a point. And what's that point? As a teaching tool, mm-hmm. right? He's he's grabbing somebody who maybe did not have high esteem mm-hmm. in their society, mm-hmm. you know, as much as a grown man mm-hmm. would have in that kind of society. And he's saying, like, look at this thing. Look at this child, mm-hmm. right? You know, to kind of show them a point. If anyone wants, wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Like, I know, I, I think I've heard kids say this before. I think you actually used to say this. To, to your parents like did you have kids so you can have servants wow no I think that's yours I don't want to get slapped uh, ooh you fear getting slapped anyway I've heard it said some children have said before to their parents did you have kids just so you, you can have like servants people to do things for you oh 
Oh, you mean if I've said that to my parents? Yes. I've said it to my mom. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I was like, did we leave Peru and now I'm your new servant? Right. Yeah, totally. Because in that. Peru, like, you know, like you had a lot of help, right? Okay. So, yes. So, taking that, right? Same type of context, same type of culture. Like, children were, like, you know, not that they were less people, mm-hmm. but they, they were the ones who did the chores. They were the mm-hmm. ones, like, you know, if you had many, many kids, that was a blessing because they did most of the work. Right. Right? If you don't have any kids, you're doing it all, mm-hmm. you know? And time is not on your side. Right. With hard manual labor, you get old. And then if you don't have kids, if you don't have a family, if you don't have a big family. You can't pass it down. Even worse, who's going to take care of you when you can't do that work anymore mm. out in the fields, mm-hmm. right? You're you're going to be begging or you're going to be like dead because you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to provide for yourself. There's no social security, mm-hmm. you know? So these, these children would be the ones who'd be learning this trade, learning this work, and they'd be doing most of it, mm-hmm. right? All that energy the kids have. We all know they do. Um, but Jesus here is using it as like a discussion of who's the greatest, Mm-hmm. So he has who's the greatest and who's in and who's out. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into this thing about causing the sin. Mm-hmm. And we tend not to see them as collected, connected. Right? We, we, we tend to see them as just collected things that Mark just threw in here. Right. Mark is not an idiot. Mm-hmm. Mark did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Jesus came and his biggest enemy, if you can call it an enemy, was the religious institutions at the time. Right. They completely missed the point of Jesus. Right. Cuz they made it about things that they knew were correct, things that they knew they were things that they knew were right and their traditions. You need to do it this way. You need to think this way Jesus. And Jesus said no. And so you have this discussion about cutting off your hands, cutting off your feet and taking out your eye. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, even if, you know, I think most of us would say that that's metaphorical. If you don't metaphorically do that, you're going to end up in the terrible place, hell, versus the good place, heaven. Right. But now when we back up a little bit and we see the frame, right, that this story is hanging on, Mm -hmm. right, there seems to be something else going on. I'm proposing that what this is about is cutting off basically the idea of who's in and who's out, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell, right, and cutting out you know, who is the greatest? And I think in seeing that, we see things a little bit differently. And I think we're in a better position now to enter into life. Because there seems to be something about holding on to who is the greatest and holding on to who's in, who's out, that can cause, if we follow the scripture to its logical conclusion, a sort of living hell. A hell. We're cutting those things off. Now, we might lose something. We might lose our certainty. Hmm. We might lose our church identity. Hmm. We might lose that protective blanket that we used to wrap around ourselves to tell us I'm right and everyone else is wrong. Hmm. And one day I'm going to be rewarded for all my sacrifice and all the hard things that happened to me in life in heaven. And everyone else is going to burn, right? Because I'm special and I've been chosen for this. Hmm. We're gonna, we, we might be limping for a while as we get over that. Because there is, there is a comfort in that. I think a lot of people are in a place where they're, they're deriving a lot of comfort. They're deriving a lot of identity mm. from thinking and feeling those things. Mm-hmm. But in letting that go, yeah, you might limp for a while, right? You might have trouble seeing because now you're learning to see the Bible in a totally different way. Right. Right? You might, you know, have feel like you have half a hand. You don't know what to do anymore. But you will enter into life. No, not in a faraway reality where you're going to fly off as a disembodied spirit, but literally right now as a resurrected being, you will enter into life. And yes, you might have to let go of some things. You might have to let go of some certainty. Mm -hmm. Who's in, who's out. You might have to let go of some things that you've been taught. You might have to let go of what you thought your purpose was. I thought my purpose was to tell people what to do. Tell people how to get out of hell and get to heaven. You might have to let go of that. But you will. The challenge here is that if you do that and you, again, approach the Bible and Jesus on their own terms, you will enter into life. 
here we are. We're kind of wrapping up this whole season of facing our responsibility with a discussion of hell. And as we're transitioning out of hell, we're, you know, we're reframing hell as something that, you know, it's a specific moment in time, not some type of eternal punishment for later, depending on what you say, do, or think, or what church you're part of. And we're taking hell as, you, sorry, we're taking heaven as a present reality, the kingdom of heaven, something that's here now. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And we're talking here about entering into life. And I think the danger has always been uh, religious hypocrisy. The danger for Christianity and the danger for Judaism has always been making the story about something else besides what it was intended to be about. And that's love, life, and the restoration of all things. So the challenge for us here is what are there things in my life that are keeping me from entering into life? What am I holding on to? Is it my identity? Am I a leader in my church, whether paid or volunteer? Uh, How much of my identity has been wrapped up in the community that I'm a part of? And how can my community be keeping me from truly entering into life? And I think this is how you know if you're in that situation. If some of the things that you believe and some of the things that you do leads to figuring out who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. That's the first big red flag. And the other is, is figuring out which is greatest. Like, oh, my my doctrine is greatest because boom, 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 boom. Or their doctrine is worse than mine because of boom, 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 boom. And taking a second, taking those things that make up your life, the way you think about stuff, and just laying them on the table and just being like, what is in the spirit of the story of entering into life and bringing things together and what is in the spirit of dividing and that's hurting me and hurting other people because the things I'm holding on to are not serving anybody and they're not what the story of the gospel is trying to say. Just remember, it's supposed to be good news. (laughs) And we go back to the quote from Rob Bell. If it's not good news for everybody, it's not good news for everybody anyone as always adios muchachas and nachos honey all right i can do it again. i can do it here we go adios muchachas and muchachichos good night everybody